Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? In this episode, we are going to help you understand feline nutrition a little bit better, give you a little bit of guidance on how to identify the four life stages that they go through, when these stages happen, and what is required at each stage. We're also going to talk about transitioning through the different stages. We're going to talk about the different nutritional requirements in general. And uh, we're going to talk about the importance of water. Very important. Yes. So the first thing we want to really drill home, when it comes to feline nutrition, you need to be very, very vigilant in keeping true to the diet that the animal is most used to and what its physiology can handle. Cats are obligate carnivores. Now, if you don't know what that means, that means they have to eat meat. They cannot digest most foods outside of meat. They must have meat. They get most of their nutrition from meat. And this is something that you need to really drill in so you can make sure that your animal is getting the best diet possible for it to thrive and be healthy throughout its life. Mm -hmm. They do require a lot of high quality protein. You can't just give them garbage protein. They need high quality protein because they get the vitamins, they get their amino acids, they get lots of minerals that can only come from meat. So even if you choose to be a vegan yourself because of the values you hold, this is not something that you can force onto your, your cats because you're just going to end up making them very sick by doing that. Yes, very sick. Some of the nutrition or the basic nutrition requirements that they need, they need, as Victoria mentioned, they need the proteins, but it can't just be any protein. It has to be animal protein. They are not able to digest plant protein and proteins are not the same. Plant proteins are different from animal proteins. So you need to be really aware which kind of protein you are getting. They also need quality fats and Quality fats are things like triglycerides, essential fatty acids, omega-3 acids, omega-6 acids, and an additional acid is included in there that is specific from animal sources. So again, this is just emphasis that they need to have protein or they need to have animal sourced food in order to get the nutrition that they require. And of course, they need minerals and vitamins as well. Is there anything else that you would like to add to that? Yes, I would. Added carbohydrates. What does Victoria mean when she says that? Added carbohydrates are foods that have had 
lots of vegetables and fruits added to it in order to make it quote unquote healthier for the cat, these can actually cause a problem with the cat's system. They cannot digest these things. They will, they will have health issues if they have a high carbohydrate diet. In the wild, cats will generally get their carbohydrates from their prey because a good majority of their prey animals, the ones that they eat are omnivores or herbivores. So it's already processed within that animal. So they do get their nutrition, their nutritional needs that way as far as carbohydrates, but any added carbohydrates can actually cause things like diabetes and pancreatitis and fatty liver and all of this stuff because their body cannot break this down. They just can't break it down. And the number one thing that you need to make sure, and this is going to sound like a, yeah, we know, but I cannot stress enough that your cat needs clean water available at all times. Cats in general are very inefficient drinkers. And if you're not feeding your cat a wet food diet and they're getting kibble, they are missing some of the moisture that they would naturally get in their diet. So you need to make sure that your cat always has a clean source of water, whether you get a filter, which is, it's a good thing. I've had cats who love the filters. It can be some work. You can get yourself a filtered pitcher and you can give your water from the pitcher into the bowl. Tap water is not necessarily good if you have hard water or overly soft water. The water that you feed your animal can actually cause more problems. I've had an experience with one of my cats when I brought it to it for a regular routine and it got its blood work done. We found out that it had a fatty liver. We had no idea why he had a fatty liver. He wasn't overweight. He didn't lose a lot of weight. And when I did some research, I realized that fatty liver in cats can happen because of metal toxicity and I have hard water. So my tap water was making my cat sick because it couldn't process the, the, L, or the metals and the, the minerals mm -hmm. that were in the water. Mm -hmm. So we started feeding, let me feed water, <laughs> <laughs> giving water to our cats already filtered. So we have a designated mm -hmm. pitcher that has a filter, but that's where they get their water. We also have multiple water bowls in various locations in the house. So they always have a bowl to go to. You do not want to have a cat have to travel the entire length of the house just to get to its water bowl. Make sure you have two or three. I have a small house. I have two mm -hmm. cat bowls full of water. If you have a larger house, you might want to have three or four or wherever your cat hangs out the most, make sure there's water near him. So that is my biggest thing. That's, that's one of the biggest things. So those are my two things, no added carbohydrates and make sure your cat has plenty of available water that is clean because cats actually may not even like to drink dirty water and they will abstain from water 
if the water is too dirty. Mm-hmm. Cats don't like things that have gone rancid or have gone and who've gotten a flavor too or whatever. They they will they will completely be repulsed by it. So that's those are the two things. Mm-hmm. And that may be one of the reasons why your cat likes to try to get you to turn the tap on for them because they want to drink water that's coming fresh. <laughs> Absolutely. Believe it or not, we actually had to put another water bowl in the kitchen because the cats kept jumping into the sink to get water. They didn't want to walk to their water bowl, <laughs> which was only a room mm-hmm. away. They were going into the sink. We put the water bowl in the kitchen and oh my goodness, it's like their favorite thing. <laughs> And another option as well, if you want to invest the money into it, I can't recall the name of the brand right off the top of my head, but I know that there is a filtration system for water out there that's like around $500 or so. And the um, the person that I knew who had this had had a cat that was really struggling to get up the stairs and was in pain and stuff like that. And she started g- giving this cat water with this from this filtration system. And the cat was just drinking water like crazy. It just couldn't get enough of this water. It was really enjoying it. And suddenly the stairs weren't an issue for it. The pain that it had ended up going away. So. Wow. That's actually pretty mm -hmm. significant. It's probably because it wasn't drinking enough water. And, you know, if you don't have a lot of water in your system, your joints are going to be very stiff because your joints Mm -hmm. have fluid in them. And that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's that's great. I, my cat actually, um, once we started giving him the filtered water, his liver cleared up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing what fresh, clean filtered water can do. Yeah. And this is not just cat specific. This can be any animal. Yes. Yes. Well, water is its own detoxifying system. So if there's anything going on in the body, the more clean water that you can filter through the system, the more it's going to help. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So because of the fact that they need to have moisture, it's really a good idea to avoid giving them any dry food. There's more than one reason for this. One, it doesn't have any moisture in it. Well, it's, it's got a little bit, but it's a very low moisture content. It's also really high in carbohydrates, the added carbohydrates, which Victoria was mentioning that um, can cause health issues for them. And also the the protein that is in majority of the dry foods comes from plants rather than animal sources. So they're not getting the act, the proper protein and amino acids that they require. But the biggest thing is, is that if you look at a feline's teeth, they don't have any molars. And you think about it, dry food needs to be chewed. Omnivores are the ones that have the molars that can chew things. They're not going to end up chewing the food. They're just going to end up swallowing it, which can do two things. Either they could end up choking on it if it's maybe the wrong size. But secondly, if they're just swallowing it whole, their body's not going to break it down properly. And it's just going to basically pass through them and they're not going to absorb any nutrients. Or it's going to come back out the mouth. I have had many a cat throw up undigested food mm-hmm. almost every time they ate kibble. They just weren't chewing it. It tastes too good. Mm-hmm. You know, it does taste good for these guys, some of them, but they can't, they just don't chew it. Yeah. They don't chew it. They must chew their food. And if they don't chew it, it's either just going to pass through or it's going to come back out. Mm-hmm. And a feline's digestive system is 
is different. You might think that all animals' digestive systems are designed the same way and operate the same way, but that isn't the case. And so there are certain foods that a feline just cannot digest or can't process. So again, the plant food, fruits and vegetables, they might like eating it, but it's not good for them. It's not going to be helpful for them. It might be okay once in a blue moon to maybe give a very, very tiny amount just as a little bit of a treat, but you do not want to have this as a regular part of their their diet. Yeah. And there are some fruits and vegetables that are actually toxic to cats. That too. I don't know the specifics and how toxic they are, but I know onions, garlic, both of them. So don't give your cats all these sauces that you make for yourself. I don't know whether it's just getting through an upset tummy or it'll actually get, get them to go to the hospital. I don't know. But I do know that onions and garlics are bad. I also know for dogs, grapes and raisins are extremely toxic. I don't know about it for cats, but I would just stay away from them in general. And cats can't, they really cannot process things like blueberries and cranberries. And this is one of the things that I have struggled with, with my animals is I go looking for good foods for my animals and they always have blueberries and cranberries because there is a certain nutrient in those fruits that are good for the pH balance, the urine, but their system really can't process that stuff. They really cannot process cranberries and Mm -hmm. blueberries. Mm -hmm. Too much of that can cause a problem. So just be aware of the foods that you're choosing. And if you're going to give them fruits and vegetables, make sure you know what it can do to the animal. I personally don't give my, my cats people food at all. I really, I don't, I might, I might let them smell something that I have because they're interested, but I got lucky. I have a cat that like literally you would think that I had given her the most putrid smell to smell when I have her smell fruit, like she literally is repulsed by the smell of oranges and blueberries and (laughs) pineapples. She is repulsed by the smell. So that's a good thing. Pay attention to your animals too. Honestly, I'm a big proponent of not giving your animals, period, no matter what animal they are, Unless they're an omnivore and unless it's extremely plain, no spices, no sauces, nothing, just steamed and boiled, that's it. It's definitely a good rule of thumb to avoid giving them any human foods. They really don't need any of it. And the tendency is that when we give it, it's because we're humanizing them and think that, oh, if we're having it, then we're being cruel if we don't give them some. So if they start right from the get-go where you don't give them any human food and you train them properly, then they're probably not going to bother you and try to get food from you too much. Exactly. My cats, when I'm on the dining room table eating food, they won't jump on the table. And when there's no food on the table, I allow them to go on the table, but they know that mommy's eating and we're going to stay off the table right now. I don't know how how that happened, but... (laughs) what happened. Uh, They just stay away from me because I've never given them people food. Another thing that I want to mention with the foods, milk, do not please 
do not give you a cat cow milk. Mm. Most cats are lactose intolerant. Some can handle it a little bit and they may love it and love it and love mm-hmm. it, but don't, don't. It's like having a child who constantly wants McDonald's fries and that's all they're going to eat. You're not going to keep giving your kid fries. Yes. Milk is not good for cats. If you want to feed or if you need to feed a milk product, get one that is designed for cats. There are so many milks on the market. Mm-hmm. There are powdered milks. There are so many different milks that are better for the cat and are nutritionally balanced for their very specific needs. Cow milk is not good. Yes. Yeah. And usually milk is given typically from what I have seen given as kind of a treat rather than as being a regular form of moisture for them. But what would be a really good type of treat to give them? Is there things like cat grass? This provides nutrition for them, but it's also an enrichment activity. It's giving them sort of an access to outside inside. Yeah. And and some of you are probably saying, well, wait, grass is carbohydrates. Yes, it is. But here is the caveat with that. Grass is something that a cat would naturally chew on for health in the wild. They don't go out and eat grass to get food. That's not what they do. Grass is for the health of their digestive tract. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't get digested. It doesn't get processed. And this is why when you allow your cat to go eat grass and eat cat grass that you might end up seeing thrown up grass because they only eat grass to soothe their stomach. It's just something that is, yeah, there's going to be some nutrition in it like chlorophyll and some of the things that you can only get Mm -hmm. from, from a carbohydrate. But when it comes to what they would naturally do, a cat, yes, will eat grass, but it's mainly for a reason. Catnip might be a better choice, but yeah, no, they do like it. I, I have had cats that have actually enjoyed chewing on it because it feels funny in their mouth. You can see the smile on their face when they <laughs> chew it. So it is an enrichment activity, but it's not something that they should have all the time. I should clarify because I did say that it provided nutrition, but it's more not nutrition in terms of what they absorb, but nutrition in that it helps their digestive system to kind of reset itself. Yeah, that's exactly what I mentioned. That's kind of where I was going with that. And But they do get chlorophyll. Chlorophyll, there are some mm-hmm. things that you can only get from greens mm-hmm. in the wild that they would get from something like that. Mm-hmm. So there are four stages that a cat will go through, four life stages. So how do you know when they go from one stage to another? Well, it's not really a set in stone type of thing. It's kind of more of a guideline. The four stages are kittens, adults, seniors, and geriatrics. Kittens are generally between zero and six months. Adults are usually about six months to about seven years old. Seniors are usually between seven and 10 years old and geriatrics are 10 years and older. So as I mentioned, this is a guideline. It's not a set in stone. So you will have to observe how your cat is behaving and that to kind of determine where they, where they are and what nutritional needs they are going to need. 
for kittens, because they're going through the growing stage, they need to have a higher calorie, higher fat food to help them with their growing. They're going to have a lot of energy usually and wanting to run around. And so they're also going to be burning a lot of energy as well. So there's the kind of the combination of the energy that they're burning physically, as well as the energy that they're needing for their bones and their muscles and all that to grow properly. Now, this can be, can cause an issue if you, if they start going into the adult stages and you continue feeding them the kitten food, because now the adults are no longer growing and they don't need that high calorie, high fat. So the adults will still grow on kitten food, but they're going to grow the other way. They're going to grow outward. (laughs) They're going to get chubby. (laughs) There's also some times where kittens could have difficulty keeping weight on. And you would need to work with a vet and have them examine them to rule out any particular health issues that could be existing. But if they are, you may need to keep them on the kitten food for a longer period of time. And this is something you can discuss with your vet or or a nutritionist to determine how long they should be on the kitten food before you transition them over to the adult food. How often should you feed a kitten? Well, it depends a little bit on your availability because if somebody's not going to be home all the time, it's recommended to feed free choice three times a day. However, if you're working all day long, that's not going to really work. So at least at the minimum, you want to do two times a day. So free choice does not mean that you just leave food out all day long for them. It means that you put food out, they have it available for half an hour or so, and then whatever they haven't eaten, you either throw out or you put away. And this process should be continued until they're about six months old. And possibly longer, again, as I said, if they are having issues with their weight or growth or something like that. Now, cats can be really finicky. So it's really a good idea, excuse me, a really good idea when they're young to get them adjusted and used to different flavors, different textures, different smells, and different protein sources. This can help reduce any chances of allergies. It doesn't guarantee, but it does reduce the chances of developing an allergy to certain sources. And it can help reduce them turning up their nose if you needed to try changing, transitioning to different foods. I personally believe, I don't know 100%, but I personally believe that like us, we wouldn't want to eat the same thing day in and day out for the, every single day for the rest of our lives. I would assume that felines would want variety as well. I can tell you from my experience that I have two kittens right now. Well, they're a little bit older than kittens. They're technically adults. They're about a year, a year and a few months old. Now, I got lucky because my cat, they were never food motivated. So I was able to leave kibble out all day long. but I don't fill the bowl. I leave the kibble and they pick at it. I don't fill it all the way up. They just get it a little bit. But what we did is we fed them three times a day. We got two wet foods and then one raw. And my cats have been on raw, freeze-dried raw since they were really, really little. So they're used to that. And we gave 
them as much of a variety as we could. When we first got them, we were using the kitten wet food. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of flavors for kittens. That's something that you may come across, but that's okay. When you transition them off the kitten food, you want to make sure that you're feeding you're feeding a variety. What we feed our cats is they get rabbit, they get duck, they get beef. They're not a fan of beef, but they get some beef. Chicken is always the kind of the go-to transitional because it's a very neutral flavor. And they also get turkey. We've tried to give them lamb. Sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. We give them different types of fish. Sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. They tend to like salmon over other fish, but we cycle through them. So if they get chicken one meal, we make sure that we get them something completely different for the next meal and then something completely for the next meal. And it typically goes like, we'll do chicken, then we'll do fish, then we'll make turkey, then we'll do rabbit, and then we'll do chicken again, and then we'll do duck, and then we might do chicken again. But we've cycled through all of them. And it has allowed them to have a variety because if you think about a cat, and this is something that I mentioned in other episodes. Cats are killers. They are. They eat everything. So if you think about a cat in the wild, they're not just going to eat mice. They're going to eat mice. They're going to eat rabbits. They're going to eat squirrels. They're going to eat birds. They're going to eat bugs. They're going to <laughs> they're pretty much anything they can find that is a protein source, an animal protein source, they're going to eat. They don't discriminate. In the wild, the big cats, you're, they're going to choose. One day it'll be a zebra. The next day it'll be an antelope. The next day it'll be a bit. It's going to be a variety. So make sure that you definitely have that variety. But that's kind of been my experience. And it's helped them to not. Now, they do get finicky still because cats are finicky. If it doesn't smell right, they're not going to eat it. They're one of the only animals that their food must be fresh. And if it starts to turn, they will be like, nope. I've had foods that they have loved that had accidentally gotten hot Mm -hmm. and they will not eat. So if you have a can of food that they love one day, the next time you feed it, they won't even touch it. It's probably because that food was either left in a hot truck or it was exposed to some type of heat that kind of turned it. And the cats have incredible noses and incredible sense of smell. And they will know if a food has turned and they will not eat it. Mm -hmm. So having a variety allows them to switch from different flavors and tastes and explore. And it's also, I think, I think I'm very big on species specific. It helps you stay more on a species specific diet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you are getting your food from a store, you need to be aware that you don't know how that food has been handled. So when you buy it, it could end up actually being rancid at that time. Or if it's canned food, you know, it could have been in varying temperatures, which could affect how it smells and how it tastes. So if you open up a new can of food and they turn their nose up at it, that could very well be 
the reason why they don't like it is because something may have happened to it somewhere in the time from the time that it was made to the time it was shipped to the store. Yes. We're going to get into this a little Mm -hmm. bit deeper in another episode, but the processing for a lot of the foods on the market will turn your stomach. The food is not high grade food. So when it comes to cat food and dog food, price matters. If you intend that I'm going to feed them the cheapest food on the market, just know that they may turn their nose up at that more often than not, because that food was already starting to go rancid before they started mm-hmm. processing. We'll get into that. I'll probably have to put into like a, a disclaimer. We'll turn your stomach. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> definitely pay attention to the foods that you feed. Feed a variety, but don't mm-hmm. feed them the cheap stuff. If something says meat byproducts, do not feed them that food. Mm-hmm. And I cannot say this more, and I'm going to get on a little soapbox here. Meat byproducts typically ends up being the throwaway pieces of meat of animals. It can also include horse. It can also include recycled cats and dogs. When we get into that episode, you're going to have your stomach turn. So we'll put a disclaimer in the beginning of that episode. But when it comes to cat food and dog food, price matters. Mm -hmm. You want good quality food. Do not buy things that say meat byproducts. Do not buy anything that says byproducts because then you're getting beaks and feet and feathers and pretty much anything. Now, granted in the wild, yeah, they would probably eat that stuff, but it would be fresh. Right. Big difference. Mm -hmm. And consider too, that if you think you're saving money by feeding the cheaper foods to your cat or dog or any pet, you're going to end up spending that money uh, at the vet because they're going to end up having health issues that you're going to have to, hopefully you would treat if they develop them. So that money is going to get spent somewhere. So it's better to spend it on the preventative side rather than the after effect side. Exactly. And this goes through all life stages, Mm -hmm. people. This is not just kittens. This is all life stages. Yes. So I will, after I'm going to get off my soapbox now. (laughs) So you can continue with the adult food now. (laughs) There isn't that much more to say right now about the kittens and the adult foods, but Generally, if you're going to be looking at foods that you buy at the store, for adults, you want to look for foods that say something like growth and maintenance, all A stages, adult means. But actually, those labels are really not that great to follow. What's really more important is to look at the ingredients, pay less attention to what is on the front of the package, and actually read through the ingredients. You know, if you're seeing that an actual viable protein source is like the 10th ingredient down, that's something you want to question. And, you know, if there's if there's things like corn or other names that you might not understand what they are. Yeah. And there's also like potatoes and wheat. Yeah. Those are things you need to question. So, you know, if there's a long list of ingredients, then that's probably not the ideal food. It's better to look at something that has a small list of ingredients, like 10 or less. Make sure that you recognize what 
those ingredients actually are and look to see, is there any protein, is there any plant protein sources in there or carbohydrates that we could avoid? Sometimes you can't completely avoid it, but so you want to try to find the ones that have the least amount of those. Yeah. And we're not talking about all the vitamins that people put in them. Like you're, you're going to look at like your, your ingredient list and you're going to see all of the food stuff that you will see. And then there'll be all the vitamins. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about that because a lot of food has to have those added vitamins Mm -hmm. in it. But what we're talking about is all of the filler. Exactly. You know, things that have pea protein and potato starch and wheat uh, germ or cornmeal or it's all of those things. Those are the things that you want to stay away from. Mm-hmm. So I know you've had more experience with seniors and geriatric cats. Can you talk a little bit about what your experience is with the nutrition for them? Sure. Um, well, as Miranda had mentioned, seniors are about between seven and 10 and geriatrics tend to be after 10 years old. What happens as the animal gets older is number one, the metabolism slows down. Number two, their body also starts to show difficulties processing some of the usual proteins that they had when they were younger. Something to pay attention to. They don't need as much carbohydrates. And unfortunately, here's another soapbox moment. When you look at some of the senior and the geriatric foods, they tend to be lower protein, stay far away from them. I have noticed with my own experience, when I put my senior cats, this is before I started learning about nutrition, when I started putting them on the lower protein, higher carbohydrate senior food, number one, they started getting fatter. Number two, they started getting less active. Number three, they started getting issues like diabetes and pancreatitis and some of the other medical issues that come with carbohydrates. So with my senior cats and my geriatric cats, I put a little bit more emphasis on trying to get the best protein sources. So I actually started feeding my my, uh, geriatric cats. I started feeding them really expensive food, the organic stuff. Now that's not always feasible for a lot of people because some of these cans were like two fifty dollars a can. It's crazy. It's crazy. The prices they charge for these things. <laughs> but I focused more on the higher protein. And if they still ate kibble, because I actually had some cats that wouldn't eat wet food. They only wanted kibble and they are out there and you may have to be dealing with that. But what I did is those cats that really loved kibble I went to the better quality versions. I did a Google search. I found the best kibbles on the market. I looked at the reviews. I did everything that I could to make sure that they were getting the highest nutrient possible in their kibble. The other thing I did, especially with the geriatrics, once they're geriatric, they start having a lot of different issues. Most of them tend to be arthritis and the big one, kidney disease. I've had a lot of issues with kidney disease. And I can tell you that the better quality food I gave my cats with kidney issues, the longer they had a quality of life. Mm. I had one cat who was 
is, I think I may have brought him up uh, in a previous episode about this, but he had, he came to me with stage three kidney failure. As I started bringing him to the vet, you know, almost immediately, once I got him, I was told that they needed, I needed to decrease the protein because of the kidneys. I refused. My prerogative, my cat, I refused. I did my research and what I decided to do, and I'm just, you know, talk to your vets, people. Just always talk to your vets. My vet knew what I was doing. So I wasn't blindsiding him in any way. He knew what I was doing. But what I did is I fed an all wet food diet, no kibble at all, no kibble, just wet food. They got wet food three times a day. And I was able to maintain the stage three kidney failure for two years without having any health issues. He thrived. He was healthy throughout outside of the level three, but he was healthy outside of that. You can't really reverse a lot of kidney damage. So maintaining the the level that they're at is your first priority. So what I did is I maintained that level three. It was incredible. Even my vet to this day is kind of shocked (laughs) that I was able to maintain the stage three for so long. And it's because I did not decrease the protein. I decreased the carbohydrates. One of the things that I found with the geriatrics when I was searching for food is when you decrease the protein in a cat, this does not, does not happen in dogs, does not happen in omnivores, but in a cat, an obligate carnivore, when you decrease the protein, you decrease the circulation through the kidneys. If they are at a certain level of kidney failure, decreasing the circulation of the kidneys is just going to speed that process up. Now, again, make sure you talk to your vets. I am not a vet. I am not a certified nutritionist for animals. All I'm Mm -hmm. telling you is from my experience. This is what I experienced. My spike thrived when I did that. And since that happened, I have fed my animals primarily a wet food diet and I have saved a lot of money in vet bills that I previously spent a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So there was a time when I was spending like thousands and thousands of dollars on my cats because I believe in veterinary care. But when I decided to switch their food, feed them high quality proteins, high moisture foods, I have had healthier cats. My geriatric cats have lasted into their 19 year. It's Yeah, that's my experience with geriatrics and seniors. Nutrition goes a long way. Mm -hmm. It goes a long way. You do not want to have a high carbohydrate diet when your cat has a slower metabolism. When your cat is moving less, they're just going to get fatter and they're not going to move well. That is not how you extend the quality of life for your cat. Mm -hmm. I'm off my softbox. (laughs) (laughs) I got lots of these soapbox people. So I got lots of soapbox. (laughs) A website that you guys can check out if you want to learn a little bit more about feline nutrition and delve into it a little bit more. This organization has done a lot of research specifically on feline nutrition. Yes, they have. And it's it's feline-nutrition.org. 
And we can put that in the show notes for you so that you can easily access that. But that's definitely a place where you can go for more information. And that was actually one of the websites I went to when I was learning about how to extend the life of my, my cat with kidney failure. Such an amazing source of information. Mm-hmm. I love that website. I'm still making my way through it. There's a lot of information. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. Now, we want to talk about one thing real quick. We're talking about a lot of nutrition here. And we're talking about, I'm talking about my experiences. They may not be yours. I don't want you to go away thinking, well, Victoria told me I have to do this. So I'm going to do this. I don't want that because you need to be responsible for your own animal and every animal is different. Mm-hmm. But I just want to put a little caveat here. Vets do not have extensive, they have some training. They don't have extensive training in nutrition. Mm-hmm. And a lot of vets may disagree with this information because they are taught a certain way. It's not that they're stubborn and they're ignorant. It has nothing to do with that. It just has to go with their schooling. Mm-hmm. This is what their schools and their colleges teach. Mm-hmm. Most of these, from what I have found in my research, is based on studies with rats. Mm-hmm. So all fine and good, except for rats are omnivores. They are not carnivores. And so a lot of these foods that the vets sell at the clinics and the foods that you see in the stores, the pet stores and the grocery stores or whatever, they are all based on the same studies, laboratory studies. And these studies are done on rats. So what I want to really, really kind of drill into you is to do your research. Go to feline-nutrition.org. They will give you a way to step off from and learn. Your vet may not have this information. We did have an episode about choosing a vet. You should have already chosen a vet that will work with you, that will allow you to be a partner with them. Mm -hmm. And the two of you could come up with a proper wellness plan that would work for all parties involved Mm -hmm. because the animal is the number one priority, not your pocketbook, not what the vet says or their ego. It's what the animal needs. Yes. If your animal needs more water, you give them more water. If they are allergic to chicken, you don't give them chicken. If you know, you have to use your animal as your guide. Mm -hmm. They will tell you if they're not feeling well, but you have to pay attention because they're not going to show it. Obviously they will tell you if they don't like their food, pay attention to that. They're not just being a brat. There may be something seriously wrong with the food Mm -hmm. and your vet is not the boss of your animal. (laughs) The vet is not the boss of you. They are an amazing, wonderful partner to have, but they are not the be all and end all of all authority when it comes to your animal, you are. Mm -hmm. So I can't stress that enough. And I'm sorry to all the vets out there that are boiling underneath their collar. (laughs) (laughs) This is something that I've done an awful lot of research in. I'm actually learning more about nutrition right now. And these are the things that I have come to know throughout all of my experiences, through all of my training. The animal is your best guide to listen to them. Mm -hmm. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com. 